Well, hello again. This is Brian Copeland talking. Welcome to another edition of Copeland's Corner. If all goes well, we'll be joined a little bit later on by a distinguished panel of comics, and we'll talk about some of the news of the week. Let me start by saying Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, happy Valentine's Day if you got a Valentine's uh, Valentine, but if you don't have a Valentine, it's a special Happy Valentine's Day to you. Because people without Valentine, for some reason, are made to feel like they are, are social rejects. Uh, speaking of social rejects, did you see the Valentine that Trump sent Melania today? <laughs> oh my God! So here's what he does: he he sent out, he he wrote. Well, I and I wonder if he even wrote it. I doubt he wrote it. He probably paid somebody to write it. Uh, and it's a it's like kind of like a love letter to, to Melania, saying, you know, I love you and. Thank you for, you know, I couldn't be the man I am without you. And and thank you for, for standing by me, and, and, you know, next to all these indictments and, and during all of this witch hunt stuff. Uh, you know, I love you. Signed, Donald J. Trump. That's how he signed it. Donald J. Trump. But she don't know. She, he couldn't just put D, you know, or put Don, but Donald J. Trump. And then underneath that, and, and by the way, this again, this went out to everybody on their mailing list. This wasn't like a private note that he sent to Melania. This went on to everybody on their mailing list. And at the bottom of it, it says, support our wonderful first lady and wish her a happy Valentine's Day. And you click the link and it takes you to a page to donate $47. So his, his Valentine to his wife is for you to donate $47 to his campaign. I don't know why $47. I'm, I'm assuming because the, he, this will be the 47th president. I'm guessing he was 45 and Biden is 46. And I, I guess 47, 47 bucks. But, but that's it. That That is his Valentine. So as crappy as your Valentine's Day may be, and as crappy as the gift or non-gift you get from your Valentine, it's not going to be as bad as that. This is part of the podcast that we call Headliners on the Headlines. I uh, joined me by panel of comics this week, Chris Riggins and Guy Obelum and Kate Robards. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Bless hey, how's it going? Happy VD, everyone. Yes, happy well, happy Valentine's Day. And I'm 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 gonna start with that. I'm gonna start with that. And I'll start with the guys first. When you are in a relationship with a woman, do you feel any special pressure on Valentine's Day? Like there's stuff you're supposed to be doing. I mean, is there pressure on you? Does that put pressure on you? If you Every let day it, is Valentine's Day with me. Yeah, if, I feel like if you let it put pressure on you, it will. I, I mean, that's kind of related. It depends on the kind of relationship you have. Like, I'm glad I'm in past the stage of having to buy Valentine's gifts. I love not having to rush to get some flowers and do all this stuff. I, it's just, it's a capitalist uh, money grab. So I just prefer to do that stuff on a normal basis, just on GP. You know what I do to, to be, she'll be really romantic? I put the toilet seat down. <laughs> That's better than any dozen of roses. It's the little things, Chris. <laughs> she, my, my partner never has to touch the trash. That's my romantic dress. Oh. She is never. How do you get laid? <laughs> <laughs> I am far from trash. I am rubbish, sir. 
I am. <laughs> but how many years did it take for you to get there? How many years are you? Uh, I'm 45, so it took about like 43 years to get here. <laughs> I'm with your girlfriend, your partner. <laughs> What's that? How, how many years have you been with your partner? Uh, we've been together, uh, it'll be a year and April. Congratulations, California. That's silver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, that, is that silver in California? How, all right. How about you and Guy? Is there is there is there pressure to do something? Why would there be pressure? Well, there's my just... birthday is tomorrow, so really that's the pressure. You should be doing something for me. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you don't go and do because like like when I was younger, it just seemed like you know because all the women would get together. What did your boyfriend do for you? It's mostly if you worked in an office. You know, well, what do you do for you? Oh, I took me out to dinner here. Oh, I got roses. Oh, look at the diamond he gave me. You know, all of that kind of crap. So there was all that 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 pressure. I've I've got a girlfriend now, and last night, you know, my gift was I sat with her through the notebook. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I sat my ass down and watched the notebook. It's a good you know, movie. If that, that's heroic type stuff. That's heroic stuff, bro. You I gotta say that, uh, dinner. Is it, is it? That's Ryan Gosling, right? Ryan right. Gosling, yes. uh, his character in the beginning of that film is horrible with consent. She told that dude no like five times, and he <laughs> climbed a freaking Ferris wheel uh, to get at her. And uh, red flag. I admire the commitment, but I think he would be canceled in today's society. No means <laughs> red no. flag. He tells you no twice. You got to stop. In 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 a lot of men's defense, and I will say this, and this may sound terrible, but. Uh, a lot of times for Valentine's Day, women like to recycle the Valentine's gift that they gave us two nights before. Um, I just want to say, you know, I enjoy having relations and intercourse with the, with the person I'm dating. But if you consider that a gift on Valentine's Day, I'm really going to start considering cheating just because I feel like that is something you've been giving me all year. And I went out and I bought a gift that you didn't have last week. I went out and found something that you really wanted. You was I listened when we went to Ikea and you said you like those shelves. I listened. I went and got those shelves and the candles to go on the shelf because I know okay, you so like just, that. Just stuff. so I'm clear, you're bitching you about it? the fact. You well, you're you're bitching about the fact that that you're getting laid twice in, in the same week. I, I, no, I'm mad sure about I'm it being the same gift that I got last year. You have to, you have to listen to the words. You say she should spice it up. Add a twist. It's something to like, okay, go down. Right, she should have listened when you said that little redhead right. girl with bangs was hella cute. Right. <laughs> you can't give me the same gift every Valentine's Day. Get another one. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll tech you're so upset you've freezing. broken your connection, Chris. Yeah, you're freezing. That's how upset he is. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run a cake because I, I want the woman's perspective, and and that is, is it really a big deal for women? Is it a big deal for you? Is it a big deal for your girlfriends? What he does for you? I mean, I'm divorced, so the expectations are low. You know, like I've already publicly been humiliated with my love enough times. So with that said, last year, I'm dating the same guy I was with last year. He is a comic. So that's how you know I did find love in a hopeless place. But last year, I tricked him into I was on a work trip and I was like, oh, do you want to come to Miami? And it fell during Valentine's Day. So I tricked him into it. And the hotel was like, noticed us together, put roses. But this year, I was like, not expecting anything. I just um, I got laid off recently. So it's been like I've been very sad. Um 
And then he came in. I was like, just telling my friends, I'm like, I don't care. You know, I just need. And he came in with flowers and I was like, oh, my God, like just like I fell apart because I wasn't expecting it, mm -hmm. you know. In the past years, I've had more bandwidth to like trick them into doing something special. And when you least expect it, I feel like that's when you're the most like just set the bar so low that if they, you know, put that toilet seat down, like Chris said, you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is so nice of you. But, but let me back this up. You, you you said trick them into it. So you're saying that you are manipulative when it comes to the men in your relationship. Is that, is that past, what I heard you say? Well, to get any man in a relationship as a grown up, like when I was younger, I didn't have this problem. But like, I feel like you kind of have to trick them. Yeah. Mm hmm. Trick them and trick them. How, give me an example of how you would trick a man in in a relationship. Well, you know, you like invite them somewhere, and it's like Valentine's Day, but they don't realize it, and then you're just like, oh, like oh, look at us, we're together. Look at, oh, um, and then you know, you just like start your whisper campaigns of like, oh yeah, this is my man, this is my man, like that's my, and it could be even before you've spoken to him, you know. You just start <laughs> <laughs> and I I'm knew that education I, here. I'm learning yes. speaking into an existence. That's manifesting. Right. Manifesting. I knew I had successfully manifested when I was like, I was like telling someone I had a crush on my now boyfriend. I was like, I said, I like him. He's cute. And the guy looked at me and goes, and I knew they'd been on the road together recently. He goes, I think he has a girlfriend. I was like, yes, he does. It is me. <laughs> like it is. I, and it was, <laughs> I was talking to him on that trip, but I was like, I love that these, like it's, it's gotten out there that he's with someone. All right. So what do we learn? The secret actually works. Yeah. <laughs> secret. Hey, I need you to meet me at this uh, casino slash church in Reno. Right. <laughs> There's a couple of things. I need you to run some parents with me. Look for the Elvis and then turn into the parking lot with Elvis. Yes. Yeah. Elvis. Just dress nice. Just dress nice. Just nice. Don't, don't worry about why. Just dress nice. All right. Let's jump Wear into something it. blue and something borrowed. Let's 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 jump into it. Now, this is a story. I, I just it's it's such a weird story. I figured I had to start with this. Um, CNN did this story. Um, and I'm not sure what city it was somewhere back east. I want to say it was in Connecticut where a, a young woman in her late 30s did 23 and me and she found out that she had 22 siblings by the time she was done it was 22 siblings Nick and, what the, and, and what the <laughs> Cannon. and what the deal was was that her mother had been artificially inseminated and that's how uh, how she came into being and come to find out that the doctor had been using his own semen to to uh, impregnate all these women without telling them. And here's the worst part. The worst part is, is that one of the people who she found on 23andMe, one of her half siblings, was her high school boyfriend. And they used to sleep together. Florida, you said? I want to. I want to oh. say Connecticut. I want to say oh, Connecticut. Close enough. Now here's, that's now why here's the Florida of the East Coast. Now, now here's the here's the thing that surprises me because because there was a uh, a Netflix uh, special uh, a documentary on on one of these doctors who did you know had a thirty or forty or, or it's not the or, first or time. Yeah, it, it's not illegal. There's no jurisdiction in America where it's against the law. So my question is, 
um, ethically, obviously, what he did is wrong. But do you think it should be illegal? That you you went in, you paid money to be inseminated. You were inseminated. It it worked. You had your child. Should it? Does it matter where the semen came from? My understanding well, was you're supposed to have a choice of uh, semen donor. Yeah. Don't you? Isn't there like a book you look through? You're like, oh, this this person is very smart. They have a PhD. They're a little nearsighted. They got bad knees. I don't know. This person is this. This person is that. We want a Mexican. Like, I'm on a budget. I got you know. I've got the ex-con who. You right. Know. Right. You want my kid? I want my kid to be kind of tough. So you have anybody who's a little bit of a sociopath? <laughs> <laughs> Just not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. Just enough I, so they don't get bullied in school. I wonder if it was like kind of like some mistake that happened. Like there was all these different sperms and like someone spilled them. And he was like, well, <laughs> now uh, I guess I have 23, to fulfill the needs. These people want babies. And the sperm is on the floor. These people want babies. Five seconds. I, I sung the, the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. And I will give these people babies. Maybe that's what happened. So do you, do you think this doctor belongs in jail? Uh, you know, if there was deception in any part of it, yes. I feel like if if as a couple goes in and the husband donates his sperm and it's supposed to be his sperm yeah. and then the doctor yeah. puts yeah. his, yeah, that's definitely some criminal, you know, yeah. type stuff. I don't fraud. know if it's. It's fraud. It's fraud. It's at least yeah, a civil breach of contract and the doctor should yeah. be liable. For damage. Well, he should be able to be sued. Yeah, he should be able to be sued for out of his mind for it. And then he should have to pay child support for that kid. I would be like, nope, this is your baby now. You got to pay for it, fam. You, This kid's going to a good college because you a doctor. No, no, no. Don't shut the sperm bank down. He needs to work to pay for this kid that I'm not paying for. Well, you know, I love now you, it. And you know what the law is, and, and this is so incredibly wrong, but here's what, what the law is in most jurisdictions in this country. And I've talked about this on radio several times. And that is, that, you know, since, the, you know, DNA and Ancestry.com and 23andMe and all's come out, people have, have you know, checked their DNA. And a lot of them are, are finding out stuff they wish they hadn't. And, for example, there are several cases of guys who are finding out that their kid is really the mailman's kid. And so, <laughs> and so what happens is they get divorced. And they don't want to pay child support because it's not it's not their kid. My wife had an affair. Let the guy she had an affair with pay the child support. Why do I have to do it? And what happens is, is in the jurisdiction, the law is, is that the the paternity is even if you prove it scientifically, the paternity is always assumed to be with the with the, the the husband. And so he stopped paying for 18 years for a kid that that was the result of his wife's affair. Ooh. And that's that's just that's just messed up. I mean, but, like you know, if you didn't notice in the first couple three months that that baby had green eyes hello. or blonde hair or whatever, or the mailman's eyes, as they used to say, well, I think what it is is people be in denial. People don't want to actually admit that that's what happened because then you like, especially for men, when that happens, you realize, oh my god, I've been duped. I've I've been betrayed and it's it's a far deeper betrayal because it's like you've been loving this kid um me personally i don't think i would stop loving the kid i think i'd still be a father but i'd definitely go holler at partner dude and be like look so how much you make every two weeks because we about to split some bills homie like uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm not trying to what kick the kid out the, the woman gotta live with you now but the kid can stay with me 
that's hilarious. I want to circle back to the um the doctor because I love the reversal because I feel like it's always women like men are always like, oh, this woman's trying to trap me. And that man did that. You know, he was like the one trying to trap those women. He was like, I want to see my spawn. And that's why I'm with Chris. He needs to pay and he should throw in some for all the other, um you know, negligent Maury daddies, you know, the Maury, the Maury dads. Well, they think there's more. They think there's more. You know, there's only twenty. There's only twenty three that they found. Of you know, course, there's realize. more. Of course, you know how many sperms are in one. You know how many sperms are in one one one. Uh, uh, you know, explosion. It's billion <laughs> explosion. I don't think he's like hand tweezing one sperm, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's very delicate. No, no. But here's the thing: he can impregnate. He can impregnate five women from one from one specimen. One. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It doesn't take much sperm to impregnate you, and they, right. and they don't do the one at a time. But they literally take a little drop and put it in you. They don't just. They don't. They don't. Uh, I don't know. Can we say? Uh, you know, blast you. You know, shoot up the club. The they don't yeah. shoot the club up. They, they, you know, they drop little droplets of, of sperm in there and they put it in you, and that's how they do it. So, can you imagine? He, he probably has maybe a small nation of children. Probably. You know, I'm you know, you work at you're regular, you're regular at the comedy store, so you probably heard this the story, the 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 the, the Sam Kennison story. Which one? Uh, the, the Carla Boves. Sam. All right, Sam Kennison had this posse of comics who who traveled with him and who opened for him, the outlaws. And one of his, his best friends was Carl LeBeau. So Carl yes. LeBeau has a daughter and everybody swears his daughter looks like Sam. And Sam yeah. gets killed. You know, Sam got killed in a car accident. And all the times, you know, Carl LeBeau swearing up and down that it's not his kid, but it doesn't matter in the state of California. His wife had the baby while she was married to him. So they're after him for child support. Well, he can't pay child support, so they don't let him have his driver's license. They don't. There's all these state benefits he's not allowed to get. And so finally can't travel all the stuff. Because of the fact that he he's if you don't pay support that the state just you know erases you, so so eventually she went to a uh, uh, one of these DNA places that the daughter did and proved. I mean, I mean, all you knew had to do was look at her and you knew she was Kennison's kid, but uh, she actually had a DNA test and proved that. And 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 I still don't think they let Carl LeBeau off, off the hook. Uh, well, you know. I don't what think affair, Brian. I don't know if you've ever heard that. How old are you now? The, uh, what affair? I said life isn't fair. Oh, life isn't fair. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. No, no kidding. Yeah. And it's uh, also dumb if someone can't pay child support to keep them from getting a job. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of <laughs> that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Is there, Wait, is you don't have any money? Well, we're going to keep you from making money until you make some money. Well, that's like the bank charging thirty-five dollars when I bounce a fifteen-dollar check. Yeah, it's the same thing. Let's go back to alcoholic dads because my alcoholic dad pulled (laughs) a good one on my mom where he had kids, right? From the first woman, right? Then he gets with my mom. And then my mom was like, the sweet, she's like, oh, he's not paying his child support. Let me help him out. And she started paying his child support. But then my dad gets back with the first baby mama. And I'm like, she owes you that money, mom. Because at one point, she later on told him, she told my mom, like, I know it was you who helped 
pay child support. And my mom didn't have that kind of money. And I was like, tell her, pay you back. Like she owes you that money. Like you should get back child support from her yeah. for that. But that's just, you uh, know. He still owes. That's all on him. He still owes. He well, still owes, done. yeah. Because that's you. You are his responsibility. You are his baby. And as a father, I've really come to the realization that no matter what, child is my responsibility. They didn't ask yep. to be here. They were not, they were not, you know, forced yep. to be here. I brought them here. So you know what? No matter what, I'm gonna take care of that. And yeah. you know, I I would feel terrible asking a woman to pay my child support. That's why I just became a good father. Oh, it was so easy. <laughs> so easy. So toilet seat down, and he's a good father. All the things that we're yeah. learning. Yeah. Oh, what do you take, you take it. My kids love me. Uh, this is a story that something's been bugging me for a while. And um, what's your, your take on it? They say since the pandemic, guilt tipping, what they're calling guilt tipping, has exploded. Um, and it's exploded to the place where people are just finally getting sick of it because everybody's asking for tips for everything. They say, according to a payroll company called Guato, uh, tips in bakeries and in uh, in uh, cafes are up. 41%. And did you know that assistant sports coaches, you know, if your kid plays little league, you're supposed to tip the assistant coach and their tips are up by 367%. And they say that the guilt tip by, by with a, using the, 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 the iPad, the whole thing when they flip the iPad around, you know, for you to, to pick, you know, 15, 20, 25 or whatever. I have no problem pressing zero. No, you, you have no problem. You never get guilted. No, I mean every like you know if I'm ordering a coffee, right? Yeah, and uh, they want me to pay twenty twenty five percent tip on a coffee. No, I got fifty sixty cents that I can throw in the jar toward the thing, but I'm not. You're getting me a coffee. It's you're not bringing me a five course meal or or serving me. You know, it's just the problem is we refuse to pay a living wage and we expect tips and yeah. we expect other people to make up for it. Right. And so yeah. that's the challenge yeah. right ahead. And that's why you can't sit on an airplane without being bombarded by ads. It's why you can't order a coffee or shit. They want you to tip at the damn movie theater when they bring you the popcorn now. Yeah. Like, put a tip on the thing. I'm like, no, I'm not putting a tip on the movie theater popcorn. I got that beat. I got that I to be that guy. But you, that have, guy. Like, it used to be you, a nickel to ride the bus. It used to be 50 cents for a candy bar. Have you have you been to the grocery store and used the self checkout aisle? Yes. Okay, well, there are self-checkout aisles that have a tip jar. Now, I just checked myself out. So who in the hell am I tipping? Where is the money going? They need to check themselves. We take the money. We take the money. I tip everybody. I tip everybody, too. I feel like, you know, here's the thing. I'm never going to punish a worker for the the flaws of millionaires. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to sit up here. And say, you know what? You don't deserve any just tip. I, I, I'm more with a guy or more. I tip based on the price of what I'm paying. Um, you know, and I feel like, you know, if if there's a tip bucket out, I'm pissed off at the owners more than I am at the employees because I'm like, I get it. I know what it's like when you look at your check after net and all that, and and you you still gotta ask people to borrow fifty dollars to pay your rent. I know what that's like. I'm not. I would mm-hmm. never put somebody who might be in that position down for saying, Hey, if you can help me out extra, please do. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. have to tip them, but I understand it because like, like guys, it's just, 
there's no livable wages here. And in the Bay Area, especially where the prices of everything else goes up, but the price of the wage does not go up. I'm I'm standing with the people at all times. And even though I don't really have a lot of money, I'll throw in a tip whenever I see some there's a need to tip just because it's us versus them. Even you know if it's I mean? bad service, even if the service you know, is the thing, I understand that service workers go through a lot in a day. That service worker might have had to get up at 5 a.m. to take their kids to daycare, to go to this job, to be treated like crap. And they're having a bad day. And you know what? We all have bad days. That's and true. The service may not be indicative. It may not. The bad service might be reflective of their laziness. But the fact that they might be at that point where they about to lose it. They about to break. They about to go home and cry for hours because they still don't got enough to do it. And they getting treated like crap by people because customer is always right is what's wrong with our system. The yeah. customer's always right because customers feel they have a right to mistreat and misuse people that work these jobs because they've never worked it. That's why I feel just like like in some countries you have to go to the military for a few years. No, I think in this country you should have to work in the service industry for a few years. So you understand <laughs> how to treat people. You understand how to see that that person may not be giving you bad service because they're a bad server, but because they got 15 other tables and three of them had already treated them like crap. So it's not even personal. It's, it's like I said, like I, I believe nothing in this world is personal unless somebody tells me it's personal. Let so I'm just going to go ahead and believe that worker. Let me let me bring let me bring Kate in. This. You because you, you work in the service industry, right? At least it, years. But it's a combination of what both of them are saying, because it's like the minimum wage, you know, obviously in Texas, where I'm from, it would be different than California, New York, like, yeah. you know, rural areas. But the fact that we don't have a minimal livable minimum wage at this point, like even with my, you know, corporate job at time, my boss tipped me out because executives are making so much more money than me. So she would like hit me with, you know, buying lunch or like doing these little things. So at this point, it's like if you are not an executive and you don't have those bloated salaries, we're just doing mutual aid to one another. It's like, I just found out someone didn't tip an Uber driver. And even for the coffee, it's like, okay, are you getting bodega coffee? Are you getting the one where the people are like, you know, they're putting the thing in the thing? Because that, I've seen people with one arm that's jacked and the other arm emaciated. That takes wear and tear on your life. You know, it's like mm -hmm. those redundant little movements. So I, I too, I just found, like I said, I'm so shocked my friend doesn't tip Uber drivers. I'm like, you have money for Uber? And you don't tip them. That's wild. I tip my Uber drivers in weed. <laughs> Hopefully, after they stop. But I think no, during the a tip yes. is a tip. A tip, is a, like a tip is a tip. That is a great gesture. I feel like weed is medicine. So if, if I give say, hey, don't smoke it now, but when you get off, just relax, enjoy this. Like I feel like any kind of interaction. I feel like if you're gonna use a service, you should expect some sort of tipping uh a way of 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 like you know bartering like you know weed it's a great way to do that i i've left servers joints when i didn't have extra cash cuz it's like you know what this is for you after work you're going to need this and they've always been very appreciative of like yo thank you i All right, let me that. let me ask you guys this and this is a question for the guys being african american men because this is something i've dealt with my entire life and that is the stereotype that that black people don't tip and so because of the fact that that is the stereotype that black people don't tip, I've always tipped 25, 30% be, because of the fact that that's what the, the stereotype I heard from people who are service workers are that black people don't tip and that groups of women don't tip. 
So, so um, has that has, has that affected you? Have you tipped more? Because you're a black tipper. Man? I'm an excellent tipper. I mean, I'm not like I said. If I'm getting a black coffee, which is my standard coffee order, mine too. Right? I will throw fifty, sixties. I'll throw the change in the jar. I'm not giving you five extra dollars or two extra dollars. No. But if I'm at a restaurant, and I don't care if the service is good or bad. If the service is good, you'll probably get 35% from me. But if the yeah. service is just okay, you standard 20, 25%. It's no right. problem. I have no problem with that. And uh, I think that the, the concept that black people are bad tippers is a myth. Although... Yes. It's a racist it, myth. It, it could be generational too, right? And also black people used to get really bad service. Right. That's true. Right. You know well, what no. I mean? Exactly. Right? Like, oh, it's black people here. We don't really have to give them good service. And then they'd be like, exactly. oh, come they didn't tip well. Well. Exactly. No, and it's not even just bad it service. Like, it was deliberately, neglectfully bad service. It's not, it's like bad services, it's, it happens. You know what I mean? But the neglectful bad service that we received is why we didn't tip. And also, black people just didn't have that kind of money like that. We were no. not we we didn't we weren't coming from generational wealth where throwing an extra ten dollars on top of a meal that we scrounged to get wasn't you know was common. So it's literally a myth. It's a racist trope. Um, I tip based on the fact that I've worked in the industry and I know what it's like to be working for tips. So I tip, you know, and I tip also because people who work for tips can fight really well, and I don't want to get beat up at a Waffle House. <laughs> Over a little, <laughs> over a bad you don't want to walking up to the car after you left. Like, uh, do we have a problem? Is there a problem? <laughs> I just came for waffles and they gave me a two piece and a biscuit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've had the problem though, where like the you know I've worked for so many powerful like women of color. My most recent boss, you know, she created Gullah Gullah Island and Tyena, and she like I, it would blow my mind. This is a woman who's you know older than me she has a house in the hamptons she's doing well and wow. we would be at a restaurant and she's afro latino but like people would put the check in front of me i'm like i don't have the money like right? you are just the assumption was always wild to me wow. and even like peers my age they like who would be like picking up the tab or like different points right now now that i just found out the news you know friends paying it and it's like they just pass it to me i'm like give it to her like she's got she's got so much more money than me why are you doing this because i'm white wow. like i am broke like <laughs> that happens because you're a man too like i my partner now makes tremendously a lot more money than i do and when we go out to eat they literally always drop the check in front of me and then i'm just like <laughs> Go on, baby. Show them your muscles. Go on. Go on. <laughs> uh, last um, night, last night, last night, Tuesday night. Um, was it Tuesday? It was Monday. I guess it was Monday night. Monday night that John Stewart returned to the to the Daily Show. Uh, he's going to do Mondays, I guess, through the through the election. First time uh, back, and I guess it's nine years. And he is just getting just massacred through social media. Uh, Democrats are furious with him. Uh, liberals are furious with him. Uh, Republicans are loving it, but but the, but the Democrats on the left are are really upset. And the reason being is because what he did was he went after Biden and he went after Trump, and he did he, he tried to do the both sides ism thing. 
you know, yeah, they're both, they both do this and they both do that. And, and, and there are a lot of people and I'm, and you can disagree with it. You want to tell me if I'm wrong, but when it comes to Trump and anybody, there is no both side, no both sides. Either you support white supremacy and fascism and the KKK and the proud boys and, or, or, or you don't. You know, there's, there's no, there's no, you know, but he did, but he, you know, there's good people on both his. sides, Brian. <laughs> yeah, both sides. Well, Mary, well, I think, go ahead. Go ahead. I think go there's ahead. bad people definitely on the Trump side, but this, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a double edged sword, but you can't really trip because the other edge is still better than that other edge. I don't know. It's, it's like you said, it's like either, you, it's like it's levels to it, I guess, you know. And I, he was trying to show the levels, but he might have missed the mark by trying to make it seem like they're both on the same level. The challenge is, I think, is when you're you want to be like a pox on both your houses, right? Like this guy is ass and also this guy is ass. But one guy is ass for way more serious reasons than yeah. the other guy. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So. You, you do want to point out maybe Biden is not perfect. I mean, no one is perfect, but he's done a lot of good things. But you can't, pe people can't, they want you just to savage Trump all the time, right? And not say anything about Biden because it's an election coming up and you don't want anybody to maybe think, oh, well, Biden has some problems. Uh, maybe I should vote for Trump. <sighs> you can't, you can't do that right now. But well, Mary, Mary Trump, Donald Trump's niece, yeah, uh, I said that John Stewart, that both siderism is bullshit on this. It is, and 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 that and that uh, John Stewart is a threat to democracy. That's her let's, own words. A threat, let's relax. A threat He's a comedian. Yeah, comedians very rarely are threats to democracy. Unless... See, that's the problem. They say something so poignant, like "Yes, there is no both sides." That's bullshit. But then they say something so extreme. He's a threat to democracy. Relax, fam. You gotta chill with that. It's but there literally. are but there are a lot of people, yeah. millennials especially, and uh, and and Gen Zers who get their news from the Daily Show. That's where they get their news. They're not getting their news from CNN or from CBS, for God's sake. They're they get their, their news, news from TikTok. Yeah, yeah, and Instagram. Yeah. Yep. That's where all that's where all the stuff I'm hearing about Gaza is coming from. All the people that are that are sharing me some of it, it's all coming from TikTok and Instagram yeah. with videos, of people. And I'm just like, okay, so this is our new news cycle. This Rick Overton calls it uh, little brother, right? Because you yeah. worry about big brother, the giant corporations with their cameras and whatnot. Yeah. But then there's little brothers. All the people have the cameras, and they tell their mom what's going on. Right. Right. This is what we're really doing. This is what really happened. So. And and I think and, and like and we had like and Gal said, you got to take this with a with a grain of salt. That John Stewart is a comedian who's a host on a show. He's not a journalist per se. He's not a, a pundit. He's not anyone that works in the government. So I feel like like with anything that comes off that TV, you have to say, all right, that's his side. That's his view. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to affect the whole outcome of the election. And also remember, uh, corporations such as the one that owns Comedy Central. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when media conglomerations weren't allowed to own more than seven things. 
right? Oh, it was, it was like, more. It was more two than radio that. stations and five was, TV. It, no, well, here's what it was. It was it was the Telecommunications Act of 1996. That cl- worst thing Clinton ever did. One of the worst he, things he ever did. He, he's the reason that that radio has been destroyed in America. He's the reason and, and, and that, media is is because it, 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 it used to be you were allowed to own one TV station, one AM, one FM, one newspaper in a market. That was it because they didn't want towns to become Pottersville from It's a Wonderful Life. And, and and so what he did was and what the argument was, is that by by allowing them to own as many as they could afford, it was going to increase competition, which That's made not- absolutely no sense at all. So what ended up happening is you basically have something like four companies that own every radio station in America. Then on, and they decide on FM, you know, how, you know, which Taylor Swift song you're going to hear in the right. next hour. And and AM is all, you know, angry, you know, white men spewing conservative crap. So, I mean, but they, you know, and, and you know, I look at like newspapers and all the newspapers here in the Bay Area, there were, you know, every community had, there was the Oakland Tribune, there was the Moran IJ, the San Jose Mercury News. One company now owns all those papers. One right. company owns right. every single one of those newspapers. And so what if they decide, you know, editorial content that they they're going to back one candidate. Now it's you got every paper, basically they own every paper. I think it's from from Oakland to Monterey. They own every paper. And that's that's something like what 200 miles about approximately. The jokes so, on them cuz we're in late stage capitalism. You know, like this is all falling apart, right? Like the media layoffs was a part of my job. My mom long-time newspaper and radio person, but it's just like now, even editorial staff, they're, they're all owned by billionaires, right? They're gutting those. Mm-hmm. So we don't even have these voices. People have to be independent. That's why you have this podcast. People should fund it, right? Like if you have, if you're a journalist, you know, you have to make your own path. And unfortunately, the ones that are going to be like the sellouts with within those companies are the voices. But I think that's the same problem with our government. You got you know, these old people, John Stewart, same with him. And 60's not old. I'm not trying to be old, but like Roy yeah. was doing it. You're like, he should have gotten it. Like, let somebody new in. He's in his 40s. Like, give him a chance, you know? Like, let, you've been there. You had it. Don't be Jay Leno. Like, not again. Just, <laughs> like, pass the baton on. But we're all, it, because I don't know what it is. Like, we're just the Roman Empire crumbling. Oh, I'll give you know, I've, I've heard that analogy a lot. I've heard that analogy a lot over the course of the last couple of years that, that, you know, the democracies have a tendency to last 200, 250 years, and then everything completely falls apart. You know? So, I mean, I, I, I got me, I'll tell you, I'm scared. You know, this election scares me because when you listen to what's being said and I mean, I saw the thing, you know, Trump had had made that statement about how he was going to be a dictator if he's elected, but just for one day. Which is ridiculous because, you know, what does that even mean? Well, then if he's going to be a dictator for one day, we should throw a coup that day and remove the dictator through violence like they all get removed. If he wants to be a dictator today, let's give him the full fantasy. Well, the first thing he'll do, though, is he's going to he's going to invoke the Insurrection Act and, and use the 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 military for law enforcement to put down any kind of rebellion. 
So it won't work. The first thing he's got is control of the military. But anyway, they went to some Trump thing and they asked all the he was a rally or something. They asked about whether or not they liked the idea of a dictator. Every single one of them said, yes, we need to have a dictator. You know, just like when you, you get you would get paddled at the principal's office because you needed to get things straight. That's exactly what it is we need in this country. And it's like, it's like, where, you know, where, where, are we, where am I living? They don't, they don't know the definition of dictator. It's funny how people who've never had that type of life think that that's what they want because they want power. They want to feel powerful. And they think that what that's going to do is make their country look powerful again. But if they can ask any of the immigrants that live around here who left dictatorships to come here, they'll learn really quickly that dictatorships are not what the biz is okay dictatorships mm-hmm. are not dictatorships are why we have a border crisis because yeah. we have all these countries where the united states put somebody in power to do their will and then the people said ah you know what fam we don't like this and they try to overthrow it and it becomes a coup or a civil war or some sort of contra affair and now you know what i mean we have all these people here who left dictatorships and it's just and, and i can go on limb and say it's probably all white men who really want this dictatorship? It's probably all white men because that, that's who they talk to, and the, and the piece that they, and the, that's who they talk to. It was all white men and red it hats. Has to suck to be a white man in this country and be broke and poor and ignorant and not have anything. It would. I would. I would be it's crazy. Voters. It's a lot of. It's a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of those. There's a lot of people who are supporting him. That's the. I mean. Yeah. Because it's it's gotta it's I'm sorry I feel like it, it would be infuriating me if I lived somewhere that was totally designed by people who like me for me and I could not I couldn't be a billionaire too I'd totally be pissed off too I'd totally be mad like where's my American dream this is not fair I'd totally be mad too so it's just crazy how people don't see that this is what's happening. I mean that's what that's the Steinbeck quote of. Um... What is it? Uh, what is, socialism never took root in America because the poor see themselves not as exploited proletariat, but as temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Yep. Yep. That. Boy, that's a great quote. That's the one. That's amazing. That is probably one of the best quotes to describe America throughout all of its stages. Yeah, that's it. And they say people don't hate the rich because they expect to be rich one day. Yeah. No, I, I, somebody was telling me, uh, my partner was telling me about a study where they asked people, would you rather everybody make the same amount of money or would you rather make just less money as long as you make more money than somebody else? And they, everybody said, I would be happier as long as I know I made more money than somebody else. I don't want us all to make two million a year. I want to know that I make more money than somebody else. That's what Americans said. Well, and that goes back to slavery, like the Virginia slave laws. Is ha- I read this book, The Irish, How the Irish Became White, because they were basically like, we speak the same language. Some of them don't like let us get indentured servants out. That's the whole. Co- it's like that's the, the lowest thing of our humanity is like we want to do better than someone else. As long yeah. as we're not the worst, then. And I think that that's unfortunately, you know, going back to every culture has had, you know, their own ish is just the gross part of being an animal that did y'all watch um what was that movie it's like because we're 98.8 percent uh related to chimpanzees it's called chimp empire no it's on it. Netflix. Oh. And it's like a war documentary a uh 
relationship documentary. It's really beautiful and um, highly recommend it because it's just like, that's animal nature. I want to be like, we can be better, but like, can we? Has any culture mm. ever? <laughs> there are beautiful things out there, but like, mm. once now, again, I just got laid off. So I'm like, in my um, feelings, I'm like, is there hope for any of us? You know, there's always hope. <laughs> there's always hope, Kate. I know. Yes, we can. Oh, wait, that's eight years ago. Let's more. Than that. We still can. We still <laughs> yes. can. We, we almost did. That was years ago. We um, almost did. I'm, I'm, I'm going to end with, with, with this. And I debated whether or not to do this topic. Um, Kate wrote, a pl- you wrote a play with, with this topic. And that's why I, I decided I'm going to do it. And you, and you can it's participate in this or not. And it was an article in the New Yorker on polyamory. And uh, if you don't know what polyamory is, it's, it's multiple uh, romantic relationships with yeah, the consent, being single. With the consent of all the, of, of the parties involved. Cheating with permission, right? It's Just not stop being basically. single, Jesus Christ. Okay, so are these relationships good or bad? They say apparently it's gone mainstream. Uh, polyamory has gone mainstream. Uh, especially in major metropolitan cities, and and are these relationships good or bad for a marriage? It depends on the people. Depends, it, yeah. It's like I don't, always. I don't understand why this this has to be always blanketed. Like everyone has to blanket everything because the way these things work is it doesn't work in this very small vacuum. It's a spectrum. Everything in life that we are as humans is a spectrum. You know what I mean? Instance, like you're a black man father brother husband you know you're all these things at once you're not just one thing so i -hmm. feel like what it is is like depending on the people you're with will determine what type of relationship you're in now i'm in an open relationship because the person i'm with wants to be an open relationship and we both feel the same way we're very honest when we we've gone on dates it's it's always very open and it's because we understand how each other operate now if i'm with somebody who wants to be a monogamous relationship then I may not be able to do that with them because they want this straight up very deaf and that's okay for them. And it's not okay for me. I think if people think that polyamory is ruining marriage, they haven't been paying attention to marriages for the past 20 years. People have been practicing polyamory in their marriage, whether they knew it or not for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some people called it other stuff. It was open marriage. It's all these different ways to describe it, but your various things based on the people you're with or on the people you're, you know, the people you see. So I think if you want to just blanket and say, is it ruining marriage? Well, marriage is ruining marriage. Being married is, is can be ruining. Like, I don't know. We've all, I think we've all been married before here, right? Yeah. And we're all not married now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the whole thing though, right? Like, I mean, polyamory is mainstream and in and, and, and a way that's cool because really the point is informed consent and it's to keep people from lying. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to tell somebody who loves monogamy that you're going to be in a monogamous relationship with them and then you're not going to do it. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings like really, really bad. Right. But if if they're like, well, I like monogamy, you're like, well, you know, I can be monogamous, but I need a three way on Valentine's Day or some things like that. Or you're like, I am horrible at monogamy. I can't do that at all. I like you, but, you know, we can't be in a relationship because. My monogamy gene was not instilled. I come from a long line of players, player, but you don't have to be a player. You can just be honest about it. You mm-hmm. just be like, I like dating a bunch of people. I like being single. It's not like we can't be intimate. We can't have, you know, feelings. 
right? You know that they, mean, some people get confused by that because they think like you can't have feelings or you can't feel love or affection for more than one person at a time because we teach uh, like that whole Disney happily ever after or the mid 50s sort of thing where it's, you know, the notebook family, even the notebook. Yes, cheating on everybody. <laughs> well, the notebook. But also, like, I have friends who are really, really good at monogamy. They're fantastic at it. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're like, they're great at it. As oh, far like, as you know. Damn, how can you guys. As, no, as no, far no. as you know, nobody knows what goes on in anybody else's house. Fair enough. But, you know, and all right, so I'm going to give Kate a shot because you wrote you wrote a play called Polyamory, and you can you can either you comment. It's called Polyshamory. Polyshamory. Okay, now you you can you can comment or not. As I said, I don't want to put you on. No, the spot. I mean I have a I have what is it like a 75 85 minute show with full of jokes about it, and it was the funny thing is that at that time I was like, now it's trending. I was ahead of the curve. I'm not saying I'm a trend, but you know I blamed the Bay Area because it was so trendy, and I got, uh, you know. As I say, I got tricked because it started out traditional and then it became polyamorous. Um, but like that wasn't what you signed on for. Well, I mean, I like what y'all said, you know, people, nobody in my my family that I I mean, my father definitely was not monogamous. So I was at least like the lie, like be honest. So I at least mm -hmm. thought this is what it is now. Like my partner that I'm with now, mm -hmm. he's um. I always say like, you know, my ex-husband, he had a lot of money. He went to like, you know, the fancy boarding schools and, and colleges. And so that's like, we systematically teach people to cheat, right? Like, yeah. it's like, okay, you're going to cheat and use your father's money and merit to get into these schools. So it's like very natural for people who have been in that. My partner now was incarcerated for many years. And so I'm like there, if you are not loyal to someone, they will kill you. So like, <laughs> different. The irony is like the people who were like, oh, this is a criminal. I'm like his code of loyalty. I just really believe everything he says. And like he has a good reputation. So it makes sense to me. I don't know. Like I'm now in a monogamous relationship and I'm very happy. But as far as I you know. But we're doing a show tonight at the comedy shop. But I will say that when I did it in the Bay Area, you know, however many four years ago, five years ago as my marriage was like falling apart when I wrote it I got so much hate from people in the poly community because they were like why are they why are you telling another negative story there's so many bad stories we want to support polyamory and I'm like I'm supporting because mine was like breaking out of shame I'm supporting the like this idea of what you were saying about the Cinderella Hollywood stories like the traditional family system is not that the nuclear family, that's like this fifties myth that we still are carrying over. You know, most people don't have that. And I'm all for sh like, you know, switching that up and making people not feel ashamed, you know? Hey, people are going to be people, man. Do what you do. I think the point is just to be honest about it. Stop trying to trick people into things. You know what I mean? And so for basically, me, was like shame. Cause I was so ashamed growing up super Christian of like, yeah. You know, and everybody that I knew that was super Christian, they were like, you know, doing a little something on the side. Doing hey, small stuff. towns, man. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows. Everybody you know, I knows. follow, I would just watch all my um, small town ministers and, you know, teachers uh. apologize for their affairs on Facebook. <laughs> it's the love songs. It's the music, man. All these codependent love songs. You're the only one for me. You mine. I own you. You guys give anything. I would die for you. 
all that. <laughs> That's why I, I never thought of them that way. They're all, I all thought they were romantic and they're codependent. You know, what's, you know what's romantic? Biggie Smalls, me and my bitch. That's romantic. <laughs> That's real. I think that Fetty Wap song is also hella romantic. I'm like, hey, what's up? Oh, Hello. That's, that's a love song, dog. Trap Queen is a love song. <laughs> I mean, in a sense, we don't love these hoes as a love song because it's telling you, look, man, focus on yourself. Don't be out here chasing other people's love. Love yourself, you know, man. Kemp's up, hoes down. I feel chase a bag. Never chase a bitch. Hey. <laughs> and there's nothing more romantic than playing Annie up during a hot sexual intercourse session. Somebody playing for up. me. So, I like so, to play Nuck if you buck. Somebody played for me. Uh, 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 REO Speedwagons can't fight that feeling anymore. Remember that song? It, yeah. It's got it's got the line, if I have to crawl upon the floor, come crashing through your door. I can't fight this feeling anymore. And I'm thinking, man, you know, at the time I first heard that, it sounded, oh, he's so that that's yeah. stalkery. That's it's like people that's who play, I'll be watching you as their wedding song. <laughs> now, see, even as a kid, that song bothered me. <laughs> even as a kid, that song bothered me. You know, we what? need we need polyamorous songs like Ludacris. I've got hoes. I've got hoes in different area codes. And now the area codes. area codes. He said all the area codes, and so now all the hoes know that there are other hoes, and now everybody can <laughs> happily live. I think that's fair. It's only fair. And remember, and now it's time for Mitt Romney to run for president. Yeah. <laughs> we can accept the Mormon in the office. Yes. And remember, hoe is gender neutral. So don't get offended. Like I'm misogynistic. I'm a hoe. Giles had his hoe phase. Brian, did you do your hoe phase? Uh, it's not a hoe phase. I'm in my slut era. I mean, show business since I was 18 years old. Yes, I had my hoe phase. <laughs> Yes, that, that's the only job I know is show business. So, yes, I've, I have had my whole phase. Yes, yep. yes. There, <laughs> there are quite a few cocktail waitresses over the years. Um, and, and with that, were you tipping? I tip very, I tip very well. Just the tip. At least the tip. At least the tip. At least the tip. They used to be the joke. How do you get a comic to get an erection? Put on an apron and carry a tray. <laughs> <laughs> I go front. There's some kind of hot about that when you see it with all the drinks and they, they be walking through swiveling them hips and you be like, girl, with me. Makes you want to become a headliner. <laughs> and with that. They don't sleep that with day, the opening act. That's all I'm saying. Where, where, where is everybody is everybody playing? Chris, what's up with you, bud? Uh, I got a bunch of stuff coming up. I'm actually headed to the Bay Area right now. I'm going to be doing some shows with San Francisco Comedy Competition. But uh, March 1st and 2nd, come check me out. I'll be headlining all weekend at the Alameda Comedy Club. Nice. Um, you guys get tickets online there. Uh, Insane awesome. Wayne will be featuring. But more importantly, I will be at the Netflix is a Joke Festival in May. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank that's you. That's huge. So, that is huge. You're on fire, man. Yeah, it's the new JFL from what I hear. You're getting too big for this podcast. I've been a whole lot of you while I can. Never, Brian. I will always come and do your podcast. Uh, thank you, pal. And Gaia, what's up with you, brother? I will be at the Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley on Tuesday, February 20th. Best Tuesday night comedy show in America. 
Um, and then I'm off to Barcelona for the International Cannabis Business Conference. And then I'll be in Phoenix at the end of March for the Arizona Growers Cup. And then I'm hosting the Emerald Cup in Oakland. Uh, May now, do you perform? Do you, what, what do you do? Do you MC these gigs? I MC the International Cannabis Business Conference. Yeah, so I, I host the the panels and run the questions and answers. And mm -hmm. I'm like a little weed concierge sometimes. And uh, I'll be at Spanabis. Like <laughs> weed concierge. I love it. Yeah. Uh, hey, Kay, what are you doing? Tonight, I'm going to be at the comedy shop at 10 p.m. for a Valentine's Day show. Aww. With your boyfriend? With my boyfriend, who I just almost killed because he was being loud. I'm like, we live in such a small, tiny apartment. I'm just like, it is, um, I need another job soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. You know, yeah, that's, you know, I'll tell you, when I was, when I was married, it, never, it was never better than, than the time when I was on the road, two weeks at home, two weeks. Because when you come home, it's an event. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's special. It's an event. When you're home all the time. You know, you have a tendency to get on each other's nerves. There's, a, you know, that's that thing uh, when you're in a relationship, when you live with somebody and, and you're a road comic, there's definitely you come home and it's really nice. And a few weeks later, she's looking at you like, don't you have some gigs? Why are you, why are you here all day, every day, bro? You get a day job or something. I come home, you're home. It's almost time for you to go on the road, right? Mess it up all rhythm. Oh, Chris Riggins and Guy Bielan, Kate Robarts, thanks so much for doing the podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you guys. And I, and I hope all the gigs Thank go you. well. All right, that's going to do it for us. I will, I will check you out next week. If you want to support the podcast, lots of ways you can do it. Tell all your friends. Uh, send a link to somebody you think might, might appreciate this show. Uh, if you're listening to us, go to whatever platform you are using and give us a five-star review. That helps people to find us. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we're trying to get a 1,000 subscribers. We don't have it yet. We're getting Do it. it. But we need a 1,000 subscribers. It's free. And once we get a 1,000 subscribers, right now we record Wednesdays and we drop Thursdays. Once we get a 1,000 subscribers, we can do this live, which is what I want to do because I want to hear what it is that you have to say all right along with what it is we have to say. So uh, until next time, be kind to your neighbor. He knows where you live.